Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. As we get closer to Christmas, anticipation no doubt rises. For some, though, it might be anxiety. We see signs of Christmas all around us. We see decorations and lights. We are receiving Christmas cards and people are busy purchasing gifts. Parties are being planned and people are attending such Christmas parties. These are all signs that Christmas is near. To many, they figure Christmas is already here. They do not realize that the Christian calendar is set by the Christian church, not by an ever-increasing secular society that seeks to commercialize absolutely everything and capitalize on it. We are still in Advent, which does still consider the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ some 2,000 years ago in the flesh. But that's not only what Advent does. We consider some other comings of our Lord. Did you know that there is a website out there that you can look at to see if it is Christmas yet? You can check it out. It is called isitchristmas.com. And if you go to it, it's, it has a two-letter word in big letters, N-O, because today it's not yet Christmas. It's okay, though, for families to have their various celebrations before Christmas. It's okay for you, and as we have in our church, Christmas trees up. It's okay if you are already playing much Christmas music. But it is also good for us to slow down and to recognize that God has chosen to prepare a time of preparation for us. And it's also good for us to slow down and recognize the true reason for the Christmas season, and that is on Christmas, we celebrate the birth of the Messiah, the coming one, the one who has been prophesied for, 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 for many, many years, for generations throughout the Old Testament, the one whom God had promised to send to take away the sins of the entire world. That celebration of his birth is the real Christmas. So, no matter how rowdy the company may get, or how poorly the food may turn out, or how unwanted those gifts may be, those disappointments will never impede on the real joy of the true Christmas. For the true Christmas is observing our Lord's birth. It is a celebration with our brothers and sisters in Christ as we he receive his gifts in word and sacrament, and as we sing his praises. And even should the weather interfere with these celebrations, that still cannot stop us from reading Luke 2 in our homes, singing Christmas carols with our families, or if we're caught alone, singing alone, and meditating on our Lord's most wondrous birth. For again, that is the real Christmas. And even as anticipation for the celebration of Christmas is very high at this time in December, especially as children become even more anxious to open up their gifts, there's another anticipation that seems to be growing. 
as we sang, soon will come that hour when with mighty power Christ will come in splendor and will judgment render. As I mentioned, in Advent, we look at the comings of our Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, we observe that he has come in the flesh some 2,000 years ago. We recognize that he's coming to us today through his word, and we rejoice in that reality, that he is present among us, that he is our ever Emmanuel, God with us. And as this hymn teaches in the third stanza, we are also preparing and anticipation seems to be growing for the return of our Lord Jesus Christ when he will come at the appointed time on the last day to raise the dead and to judge the living and the dead. Many who no longer consider themselves Christian have quit anticipating the return of Jesus. But for those of us who continue to confess Jesus as Lord, Surveys among Christians is revealing that more and more who do profess to be Christian, who do go to church, are figuring that we must be living in the end times, that the return of Jesus is certainly drawing sooner. As new diseases arise, as wars take place, volcanoes erupt, and immorality is celebrated as something in which people have become proud of, we certainly see some of the signs that are being fulfilled to indicate that Jesus is returning. But one of the signs that indicates that Jesus is returning is also one of the simplest. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. When they begin to bud, you know that spring is near. It is a sign. And so when the seasons change, we have yet again that sign that our Lord Jesus Christ is going to return. There's no question that with each advancing day, we are nearing the return of Jesus, one day at a time. But when will that day be? Our hymn says, soon. Of course, soon is a vague term. It could mean something that is going to happen right away. It could mean, though, something that is a long time in the future when comparing that time with eternity. Sometimes when a child wants to know when something will take place, we'll say soon. And in our minds, we might think that that is not too long away, in a few hours. But in a child's mind, that soon may seem like, to that child, an, an eternity. It is intentional that our hymn answers this return of Jesus' timing with the word soon. God, of course, knows when he will return. And he could come back in the near future, or he could come back long into the future. We don't know. And so we leave it to him, and we trust his word that we are to always be being prepared for his return. And when Jesus returns, it is not going to be a silent return. It's not going to be a secret return. There's not going to be multiple returns, as some within Christendom surmise. Because when Jesus talks about his return, he's always talking about a singular event. And 
Jesus also warns us and teaches us. He says in Matthew 24, don't believe those who say, look, here is the Christ or there he is. Because there are many who will rise up, who will be false prophets, who will take on Christ-like qualities, and they will, if possible, deceive even the elect. Jesus declared, for as the lightning comes from the east and shines as far as the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man, indicating his return will be visible. People will notice. It'll be sudden, just like lightning comes out of nowhere, it seems. And there will be the trumpet call of God, the voice of an archangel. There will be the audible sounds of our Lord's return. So you will not need to wait until you read about it on the internet or hear about it on the television, but you will know when Jesus returns. But what will his return be like? I think many are terrified at the thought of Jesus returning. They envision his return to be one of horror, one of destruction, one where people will be running around afraid and screaming. But our hymn puts it in a different way, that Christ will come in splendor. You see, Jesus is our Savior. That is why the Father sent him, to save you. Jesus is your good shepherd. He, has, he will be coming to shepherd you, to guide you. He's not coming to find a new way to hurt people or to find it, figure out how many more he could possibly send to hell. That's not his purpose. Instead, he wants to bring people to be with him. He's coming to set his creation aright. He's coming to gather all who have called upon him into his kingdom so that they will be his people and we will be centered around his throne. When Jesus returns, he will raise our bodies so that they will be incorruptible and, and immortal, so that we will be perfect in every way, our bodies and souls reunited. And what a joy it will be. On Christmas, on Christmas Eve this year, well, pretty much every year, we sing, the, we sing a particular hymn called Joy to the World. On this Christmas Eve, we will sing this along with once, we, once he came in blessing for a final time this season. So once we come in blessing is our theme for Advent. It's going to be used as part of our Christmas Eve service. And what we'll hear on Christmas Eve is a scripture reading that matches each stanza for once he came in blessing. And then the children this year will sing songs that will match each of those four stanzas. Three of those will be rather familiar Christmas songs. For the third stanza of Once He Came in Blessing, that is the one that we're looking at tonight, Soon Will Come That Hour, the children will sing the first two stanzas of Joy to the World. Why would they be singing this most famous and joyous Christmas hymn when the theme is speaking in this 
stanza, soon will come that hour, of the return of our Lord Jesus Christ? The answer is simple, and one that is probably not commonly known. When Isaac Watts wrote that hymn, Joy to the World, he wrote it in anticipation of the great joy that the Christians will have and all of God's creation when our Lord Jesus Christ comes again in glory on the last day and sets his creation aright. For it is then when heaven and nature will sing, receiving her king, that's when the fields and floods, rocks, hills, and plains will repeat the sounding joy. That's when sins and sorrows will no longer grow, nor will thorns infest the ground. When Jesus returns on the last day in glory. Now it's fine that the church has basically decided that this hymn would be one that we would sing at Christmas. But if you notice, not all of the themes in the words match exactly what took place at the birth of Christ, but it will match when he comes again in glory. Now, I'm not suggesting that we remove that from our Christmas tradition. I'm just telling you that that was the original intent of the writing of his hymn. For when Jesus does come in splendor, he will judgment render. But what will this judgment be? What will take place? Will he identify each one of you and point out everything that you have done wrong, showing how much of an evil individual you have been? That is not his purpose for coming to judge. But instead, as Jesus identifies when he returns to judge, he will say, I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was naked and you clothed me. And you will say, well, when did I have that opportunity? And he will say, when you did it to the least of these, my brothers, you did it also to me. So Jesus is going to say that you have fulfilled the law. That is the judgment that you will receive. That he says, because you are baptized into Christ, you will be considered righteous and holy in him. He has kept the law and he will credit you with keeping that law. So despite our continual sin, and despite our rebellion and despite our many temptations, Jesus will render a verdict that does not match our sinful state. And when he judges us, he will acquit us. For he has already paid the penalty due for our many sins when he went to the cross. Now, if someone takes the place of another and pays the penalty of that person, that person is free. And that is exactly what Jesus did for you. He took your place and he paid your penalty for your sins when he suffered hell on the cross and the wrath of God there on Good Friday. And because he is risen, you can be certain that the Father accepted his sacrifice. And because he has made the complete payment, you are now free 
completely free. No sins are hanging on to you. No rotten stench or filth to condemn you. No one is left to accuse you. For Jesus was accused in our place, and he suffered hell on the cross so that we can be counted as innocent children of God. So God's judgment for us forgiven Christians is that we are innocent. Our sin has been replaced with the righteousness of Jesus. Then when Jesus comes again in glory, he will receive us into his eternal kingdom and we will dwell with him in our risen and perfected human bodies to all eternity. This judgment of God is absolutely astounding. It is a cause for great joy. And so we sing, with the faithful sharing, joy beyond comparing. Amen. The peace of God which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus to life everlasting.